Welcome to the DOS Game Club podcast. I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums, and we are going to discuss the game we played in July, which is Jill of the Jungle. Right, Florian? That's right. Uh, I think this is episode 46. It is. According to the document anyway. Yes. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Document is right. Okay, cool. We'll hit 50 this, this year still, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's... Uh, well, it's a monthly thing, so it's 12 a year. <laughs> so you heard him already. It's our regular co-host. It's Florian. Hello. Hey. And also joining us again. It was a long time ago since he was last here, but he's back. It's David. Hi again. Hey. It's been a while. It has. I'm really glad to be back. I'm really glad you're still going. <laughs> we are still going. And, uh, well, you're still going as well. Because um, the reason we invited you is because you finished your... Epic Mega Games video series, right? Yes, I covered uh, something like 10 years of the history of Epic Games almost in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, really impressive, though. I mean, I, did you play like everything they released until Unreal, something like that? Yeah, that's right. Everything from uh, ZZT uh, through Jill of the Jungle uh, up to Unreal Tournament in 1999. Really cool. So, yeah, I hope you can help us out. Especially with the uh, Tim Sweeney developing this game part. All right. Uh, because you're the expert. So I didn't do any research because I thought, oh, David's going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know it's something. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, also newly joining us is Felix. Hello. Hey. Also known as Coolio. Yeah, Coolio from the, from the radio show, right? That's the, the Square Wave Symphony. Yes. I host a radio show and also a podcast called Square Wave Symphony, uh, which is on CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax and also around the world, CKDU.ca, 5 p.m. Atlantic time every week. Yeah. Well, that's that's enough advertisement out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's only fair that you're here now because we were on your show a couple of weeks ago yes. and now we are on the on the on the good side of the table again. <laughs> and we are the ones asking the questions. Yeah, but it's it's fun. And and I think you requested even to be on the GL episode because uh I think you have some connection to this game or something. Well, it's not so much connection, it's just uh it is just a game that I've played before and uh wanted to play again. Well that's that's reason enough. So uh yeah. yeah. Cool, good to have you on. Welcome. Yeah, Jill of the Jungle. I'm not. I'm not sure if there's much other things, introduction stuff. I think we just can dive straight in, right? Yeah. So, let's do it. Sounds good. Oh! <laughs> 
So let's see. Should we explain the game first a little bit? It's it's pretty basic, isn't it? It's a scrolling platformer. It has some some weird parts, right? <laughs> yeah, some some features that that they haven't seen in other games. But it's it is loaded with weird. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for people who might not be aware what the game is exactly, I think it's basically an attempt to get a, a Nintendo-like platformer onto the PC, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. feeling I get anyway. More or less. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot like Commander Keen. It's uh, side-scrolling platformers that only just been invented on the PC. They'd finally worked out how to do it, so uh, everyone was starting to write them. Exactly. The feeling is I've that the people were really craving this sort of thing because Nintendo had been making these sorts of games for a good while by then on the Nintendo and not only Nintendo, right? All the other ones as well. But yeah, yeah. the Super NES was even out. I think yeah. by the time Jill came out, nineteen ninety two. Commander Keen was released, but there was not a whole lot of platforming on the PC. So, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of the thing is uh, with with consoles, you you have them designed to be able to do things like smooth scrolling and that. Yeah, exactly. But you don't really have that design built into computers, so you got to kind of figure it figure it out differently. So, yeah, that's exactly it. So, yeah, this is one of those classic games at, at, attempts oh, yeah. <laughs> at, at making this work on the PC. But as you mentioned before, Keen was a couple of years before and they had figured out all the complicated parts, I guess. Hmm. Not, not sure if they if, if the um, information of, of how Keen worked, if that was published or if that was public knowledge. I'm not sure either. So maybe they had to reinvent the wheel because they had no other choice. I, I wouldn't think that it would be published so much. Uh, well, at least not by Apogee because... That, that would be their competitive edge right there. Mm. Yeah. Although the fact the game was out there meant they proved it was possible. Yeah, so exactly. I'm sure lots of smart programmers were thinking, okay, yeah. so this is possible. So how, how do we do it? There's also disassembly and debuggers. Mm. So I guess they had some ways to find out what's going on. So so yeah, anyway, that's that's Jill of the Jungle, like in a nutshell. It's a platformer, scrolling platformer with a female protagonist called Jill of, of the Jungle, I guess. <laughs> First name Jill, last name of the jungle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely dive like all the way into it. But I think a nice way to start, Florian, is by playing a voice message that we got, right? Ooh. Yes, we got a voice message by another David. Yeah. Evil comedy dictator. Who's David too. <laughs> David too. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Who's been on the show a couple of times before, like on Knights of the Sky, Pirates, and recently on System Shock. Mm-hmm. And he was so nice to send us a voice message about the game. So let's have a listen. Hi, DOS Game Club. David here, evil comedy dictator on the forums. Thanks for playing Jill this month. I've got a lot of fond memories of shareware platformers, having paid for them back in the day, and without sending like a voice-to-text of the Wikipedia page of the games list of Apogee and Epic Mega Games, I was the target demographic for all of them. To me, Jill stands out as having a really distinct design, let alone the novelty of the time of having an adult female protagonist. Uh, Picking up the whole series for free on GOG allowed me to recently play episodes 2 and 3 for the first time, and to me they have the shareware first episode curse of the first being better than the rest. I got to find out why Jill went into space and go through some really tedious mazes, though. <laughs> the main thing I take out of Jill is that not all platforms had to be apogee copy-pastes. Even though Cosmo's Cosmic Adventure and Secret Agent were released just before Jill, Jill has enough art as well as the maze and puzzle elements to stand apart from the rest, 
and a little bit of sticky controls, but them's the brakes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Florian. Yes. What happened exactly? Like, why did we pick this game? I, I think it was suggested on the forums, wasn't it? Yeah, it, I think it was. Um, apparently, I, I didn't uh, look this up, but someone wrote down that it was um, suggested by Chermpy, hmm. who sadly never uh, posted again on the forum. And yeah, so we yeah. didn't get to contact him. Or I don't know. Did we try? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure that, that Chermpy uh, posted exactly one thing on our website, which yeah. was, hey, what about Jill of the Jungle, guys? So... Well, Chermby, if you're listening, this one's for you. Yeah, exactly. And and well, uh, we and we appreciate these suggestions. So for sure, uh, keep them coming. And and it would be great if you if you stick around, then then you can be on the podcast as well. So yeah, that's totally how this thing works. Yeah. I think another reason why we were looking for this sort of thing is that it was a while ago that we played a platformer. Yeah. What what was the last one? Was the last one? Was it Blackthorn? Maybe, Maybe. Yeah, but that's a, a sort of a different breed, yeah. a sort of different style. Well, in that case, the last one would be Keen. Yeah, exactly. And and Commander Keen, of course, launched its software. So then yes. it's kind of fun to compare it to Jill of the Jungle, which is the game that launched Epic Games in a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So yeah, that uh, seems like a, a sort of theme thing going on there <laughs> yeah i guess it was the the big genre of the time right yeah and they all happened to go on and make first person shooters later on which was then the great genre of the time so mm-hmm. it's all started started with platformers basically exactly and the dos game pioneers yeah yeah sort of mm-hmm. um florian have you played this before uh not much um well back in the day i hadn't heard about it i think i got it a couple of years ago when gawk made it free so I think when I made, I think I made my Gawk account and it came with the game immediately and I tried it for a couple of minutes and thought oh, well this is not the quality I'm looking for <laughs> <laughs> and since I didn't have any any uh, like like rose tinted glasses on I mm. didn't like the game so much to be honest. Okay, is that something you still broadly feel or or did? Actually playing it changed things a little bit. Well, after I played it uh, quite a bit more for the club, I liked the game a bit better, but I wouldn't. I still wouldn't say I'm kind of a fan of the game or anything. Mm. I think, to be honest, you need some kind of nostalgia for the game yeah. to really enjoy it. Yeah, I can, I can sort of see what you... Yeah, I, I assume some other people on this podcast will disagree heavily with me. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> uh, D- David, I, well, I know you played it before because I saw you playing it in your video series, but mm-hmm. did you play it when it came out? A little, yeah. I mean, I think like most everyone, I have the shareware version from one of those massive one million shareware titles, <laughs> CDs. I discovered it that way. And um, I don't know, it was, it was a platform game at that time, which satiated my uh, platform game needs. Although... Uh, it is a little bit awkward looking back at it. It's it's still using the tile based gameplay. It's got it scrolls in tiles. They didn't have the mega genius John Carmack doing <laughs> uh, smooth, totally smooth Mario style scrolling with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it does have some original ideas as well that that set it apart. Yeah, definitely. So back in the day, you played the shareware version. Never you never dove into the other episodes back then. I don't think I had any of the sh- of the full versions of the shareware games, apart from uh, Commander Keen uh, one to three, which my dad got off a friend at work. Right, uh, but yeah, he, the arrangement was he would just download whatever he found from the uh, shareware libraries at university and bring them home. <laughs> well, that's a good deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Cool. So did you play it then, Felix? I certainly have played uh, Jill of the Jungle. Uh, I don't remember how I found it. I think it might have been... I, I know that we had a whole lot of like shareware floppy disks back in the day before you know CDs came out anyway. Mm. And uh, so that's probably how I ended up playing the first game. I've also played, I also played back in the day, the other two games, which I um, <clears throat> borrowed. <laughs> you gave them back, right? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird game. It's, it's the best that I can say. It's just a very strange and ex- kind of experimental platformer. Hmm. I mean, I've I've also seen some videos of it of other people playing. Uh, I haven't seen David specifically, but uh, like people like Frank Amatic have played it. And uh, hmm. but uh, yeah, it's really weird, and it continues to be weird to this day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I didn't play much of it either. I it's kind of weird because I do remember Commander Keen being really huge, and there were multiple like friends of mine, classmates who were really, really into Keen. But I never heard much about Jill of the Jungle. So I, I'm i not sure if it made as much an impact. At least it does, It didn't for me. Yeah, well, I, I guess Keen was the big title that made uh, platforming on the PC possible. And yeah, had, uh, as I said before, I think Jill is not, not so much of a noteworthy game, to be honest. So hmm. that's maybe... Well, that's a good way to start <laughs> off the podcast. <laughs> well, I have my opinion. We have other people with other opinions. Yeah, okay. We will fight later. <laughs> I mean, it, it might not be a, a big game on the grand scope of things, but it was definitely big for Epic themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, at, at the time, the only game that they had under their belt was EZT. Mm-hmm. And so this was a fairly large step forward for them. Yeah. Like now it's more than just Tim Sweeney. There's what four people making this game and they're just kind of trying to figure out what they can do so that they can go forward from there. I think that's the feeling I'm, I'm getting from this game anyway. Yeah, definitely. Although I I also think that that commander Keen is a little bit more slick, maybe. It's uh, it comes closer to that ideal of a Mario-like game to me. Well, I think uh, uh, as far as Commander Keen, I'm not going to go in depth because this this episode is not about Commander Keen. But I think the original plan was to sell that engine to Nintendo oh. to make a Mario game on PC, and they didn't want it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They they I think they they ported half of um, I think Super Mario Brothers three or something. That's right. Yeah. There's a there's a video that John Carmack or John Romero put up, and I, I was amazed by how far they got. Yeah. So instead they made, what was it, Dangerous Dave in copyright infringement or something. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, da- Dangerous Dave in copyright yeah. infringement was the uh, the experimental little thing that uh, John Carmack left out for someone to find the next day in the office <laughs> to say that I, fin- I finally worked out how to do smooth scrolling on the PC. Yeah. So Dangerous Dave in copyright infringement was the very first <laughs> PC side scroller. Yeah, that is cool. I guess one notable upgrade over, over Commander Keen is, is that Jill of the Jungle is running in VGA, which I think was sort of a big deal. Yes. It was, yeah, because Apogee was clinging on to EGA for ages after that. Uh, but uh, Exactly. Jill of the Jungle was quite an early shareware VGA game. Although, you wouldn't really say it, would you? I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen games make better use of the color palettes. <laughs> 
that's, that's right. I mean, you get some gradient in the background, but uh, a lot of the backgrounds are totally black. Uh, it doesn't really use the extra uh, 240, exactly 240 more colors <laughs> over EGA uh, in quite the best way it could. No, no. It's... Well, at, the, at the same time, he didn't really have a whole lot of games that, that did this mm-hmm. yet. So Totally. All right. So I think we should dive into the specifics of the game a little more. But before we do that, uh, I want to read the story to you. <laughs> because uh, when you open up the game, when it, 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 it launches, it doesn't have a setup or anything. It's like a built-in pre, pre-setup to the game where there's all text mode and, and you can change some configuration things. And then... Well, once you're past that, the actual game starts and you get this menu. And one of the options is story. So if you press story, you get, you are Jill of the Jungle, the brave and beautiful star of the game. Your journey will lead you through startling action and a puzzle sequence as you zoom through 16 gigantic levels. (laughs) So fasten your seatbelts and prepare for a journey of your lifetime. After all, who says a lady can't slay a few monsters? Hint? There are a lot of surprises hidden in the game, including a secret bonus level. <laughs> and I want to say, none of this is the story. I mean, this is not a story. <laughs> this is like an advertisement. This is a magazine ad for the game. This is not a story. This is a premise more than it is a story. Maybe if, if you take the first few words and the last few words, that's you are Jill of the Jungle, slay a few monsters. <laughs> secret bonus level. Yeah, that's, is that a story? It's, it can be. <laughs> Can be. Depends on your imagination, I guess. Yeah. I think it's fair to say there is no story. Yeah. The story is, we drew this, so this is what you get. That, that's pretty much why I wrote in the document, why is anything? Mm. It's like, yeah. you're, you're Jill, you're in the jungle. Why? I don't know. Go have a journey. Why? Just because. Go. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Where are you going? I don't know. Wherever you can go. That's and, just, yeah. and then the second game, now you have a drug trip going on. Like, what's going on? Like, what mushrooms did you eat? I don't know. <laughs> You're 500 miles from home. Yeah. Does it does it seem like you traveled 500 miles? Definitely not. No, no, definitely. But third, yeah, well. third game, there's a prince. Prince of what? I don't know. <laughs> go save him. <laughs> Maybe that's an interesting thing to talk about a little bit, because in the classic shareware fashion, um, there's usually one episode which is given away for free, and then there's a bunch more. In this case, uh, there's three episodes in total. But usually they're all contained within the same game, right? But not in the case of Jill. In, G- in, in Jill's case, it's, it's actually three separate games where Jill of the Jungle is the shareware game, which is an entirely self-contained thing. And then if you want to play the other episodes you have to load the other games they're like they're all packaged as a separate game each episode i i think most episodic shareware back in the day was three different separate games uh, i mean you you had some exceptions definitely such as you know epic pinball mm-hmm. but a lot of them you would you know start up like Jill one, then the, then you finish that. You start Jill two, finish that. You start Jill three. It was the same for Commander Keen. It was the same for uh, Crystal Caves. Mm. List goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Duke Nukem. Mm. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I think it was only later that they started packaging them all into 
uh, one exe file like doom is the one that uh, comes to mind yeah i guess the times were still a bit different i mean hmm. you could you could play i mean if if you were into jill of the jungle and you got it back in 92 i guess you could play it for for quite a while i mean now, now it took like i don't know an hour or two hours tops to beat uh, episode one yeah absolutely I, i i've always been surprised when i go back to these games about just how short they all are. Because I remember yeah. spending weeks on them when I was six or seven years old. Yeah. But it's it's also like uh, like um, Super Mario. It's also not, not a very long game in the end because you can't even save in that one. So it's all about the score. And I think that's similar with Jill. So I hmm. think they just planned for, for replayability instead. Pretty much. When, when we were playing this during the month, someone on the forums mentioned, is this game a good value? Is, like, would you... If you actually paid $30 in 92 and you received this, would you be happy with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, these days we devalue games an awful lot. Hmm. I mean, people complain on Steam if they have to pay more than $5 for an independent game. And, and that's what are they going to do if they charge $10? They'll add another wing to their mansion. Um, <laughs> It was the race to the bottom, I think. I blame iOS for this, where you can get games for a dollar or 99 cents. Mm. Um, I'm just, I've just got the ordering information up just now, actually, and uh, it was $15 each, or if you buy all three for just $30, which is not a saving because you've already got the first one. Yeah, that makes no sense. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so they were, they were $15 each, uh, and I would I would say that's a reasonable price. Hmm. Maybe maybe these days you know it's something quite simple. So you know if you paid ten dollars an episode, five dollars an episode, you know I wouldn't complain about that. But yeah, I th I think that they are still quite short, uh, and fifteen dollars is a bit uh, is a bit more than it used to be. Hmm. Uh, that fifteen dollars would now be what twenty five dollars. I don't know. Yeah, around there. I think you're right that that games in general, like cheap games, weren't really a thing, were they? That's a, like a modern thing. Uh, yeah, it's odd. We've, we've come full circle because if you think back to the Commodore 64 and so on, with everyone doing homebrew games, they would just sell them in news agents for two pounds or five pounds. And then games got this really big industry and, the, and they were 60 or 70 pounds for a cartridge at the height of it in the Sega and uh, Nintendo era. And now they've mm. kind of come back down again where, where a lot of games are less uh, ambitious in scope. And the, we've got cheap games again. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got both ends of it now where yeah, you yeah. have the, the $60, $70 games and then the $5 and less games. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. Although I would think playing this Jill of the Jungle now that it feels like more in the $5 category. Yeah, definitely. Than, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, That, that's a different platform, but if you compare the amount of content that's, um, for example, in Super Mario World, um, which launched or was, was released two years prior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's, that's a whole different world. And it was like, like $50 or something like that. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that feels really polished and, and rich and, and just endless uh, when you compare it to the slightly amateurish feel of Jill of the Jungle. I mean, I don't want to say it's a bad game because I don't think it's it's a bad game. I actually quite enjoyed myself, but yeah. it's not really on the same level or the same like it's 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 a it's a whole separate category. It's a it's a, it's a different league. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's epic jumping into an entirely different world. 
kind of going back on the fact that ZZT was their previous game and their only game before that. So they're still kind of figuring out what they can do before they do anything else. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about what you actually can do because I think we've talked a little bit about the story. I'm doing massive air quotes here. <laughs> <laughs> and we've mentioned that this is a scrolling platformer, but well, there's a little bit more to this game, isn't there? I mean, there's 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 things to talk about. There's content. There's stuff to do, right? <laughs> There's things mm-hmm. such as stuff. <laughs> yeah. So what stuff is there? I mean, you're you are Jill, um, which is sort of unique in its own way, right? Because you know, female protagonist that that's not really a thing. It's it's not unique, mm-hmm. but it's rare at this point. Yeah. So that's one thing that it's got going for it, and uh, I don't want to. Uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay, it's a female protagonist, but is this? Um, uh, a forward-thinking, progressive sort of statement, or is it more of a male fantasy? <laughs> Ooh, she's got big boobs, sort of thing. And oh my, ah! I kind of feel it's more like that, especially if you look at the graphics. Yeah, and, I mean, there were other female protagonists back then, like like Samus from from Metroid, that wasn't portrayed like that. So, mm-hmm. well, at, at the beginning, they didn't. Uh, nobody really even knew that Samus was a woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody knows Jill is a. Yes. Yeah. She's not wearing a lot, is she? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the quest is to get your clothes back. <laughs> oh, maybe that's the maybe that's the story. You get getting married to the prince at the end so that you can have actual clothes. Yeah. <laughs> the um it's it's so strange now you say that you know Samus being a woman, that's a massive surprise. Yeah. It was you know, in, in in a fair world, there's a fifty percent chance of that. Mm, <laughs> it should yeah. not have been the surprise it was, and yet no. that uh, that uh, prejudice was already established. Definitely, yeah, definitely. The trope of the male hero that's just ingrained in our society, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, nowadays it's it's changing, right? But back then. We could argue a lot about the um, reasons they decided to make her a woman, but. I think, uh, given the graphics as well, the motives are very clear. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also probably a marketing gimmick, right? I mean, right. L- like we said, this is only Epic's second game. So they're probably trying to have something different and a reason for people to check it out. And, well, having a female protagonist is one way to get attention in a world where that is not the norm. So for sure. there's that aspect as well to it, I feel, just... Yeah, a reason to have magazines write about it. Just purely technical in terms of animation. I think it's pretty well done. I was quite impressed with, uh, for example, the climbing animation, you know, on the vines. Mm-hmm. Really looks quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, um, I think the only thing in the game that, that really looks good and is as well animated is actually Jill. Mm. I think there, there's a very... There's, there's a drastic difference in graphics quality between the main character and like level graphics. Yeah, like pretty much everything else that isn't Jill is about par for the course or around this time. Yeah. Oh. Even her knife is just not animated at all. It just sticks up, right? Yep. What's up with that? Always points up. <laughs> Why is it pointing up? <laughs> is it a bug? Is it? I don't know. I don't get it. It's a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. It's an odd thing, that knife, because it's more like a boomerang than a knife. Yeah. 
It does behave very weirdly. That's that's true. I mean, it comes back. That's one thing knives don't do. Although sometimes it doesn't, does it? I mean, I've got it stuck in the wall a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It moves around in a weird way. So maybe it's not a knife. I don't know. I don't, it looks like a knife, sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's more weapons, aren't there? Uh, what's what's there? I, I remember some kind of n- those, what do you call those? Those ninja throwing stars? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if there's so much ninja throwing stars. I can't really think of the proper term for them right now, but yeah, it's kind of a bladed spinning thing. Yeah, shuriken I have here in the in the document. That's that's what it says in the document. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it a shuriken. Okay, I'm not an expert. I'm not a ninja, <laughs> so I have no idea. I don't think Jill is a ninja either. She's closer <laughs> to an Amazon than anything else. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> No, nobody's a ninja, actually. Yeah. It also says here there are fire and water bolts. Although, actually, I think that touches on one of the more interesting aspects to this game. You can't really use the fire and the water bolts as Jill, can you? Uh, no, you do have to actually transform into various animals that are available in this game. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I was really surprised when that happened. Like, okay... You you open the game, you're Jill, you're walking around. You, uh, I thought to myself after five minutes, okay, I, I get this. But then I was a fish? What? That's kind of surprising. Yeah, that's probably one of the most innovative things about this game, honestly, is the fact that you can actually transform into various animals. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there really aren't a whole lot of games that let you do that at this point. I mean, even Mario, he changes, but he doesn't really change into something else entirely. He's still Mario. Yeah. But Jill... Yeah, but I guess uh, from from a mechanic standpoint, it's basically the same. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that does give a lot of uh, much-needed variety to it. There are are levels where you're limited to just the throwing star or just being an animal, or sometimes no weapon at all, and you have to kind of pick your way around and uh, and not fight. Yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting... Well, it it kept me occupied anyway. I, I, I was constantly... Well, I was really enjoying myself when I'm playing this, actually. So, yeah, pretty good. Um, apart from a fish, you also can turn into, well, I wrote down a bird, but then someone corrected it and saying it's actually a phoenix. So it doesn't look like a bird. <laughs> I mean, it is firebolts. Yeah. So it basically is a phoenix. And I guess firebird. Um, a phoenix is the kind of bird, actually, right? Yeah. Yes. And an interesting thing to note, if you are a phoenix and you touch the water, you die instantly. Oh, I don't remember that. Normally it's the same, but the other way around, or not? No, you can't. I don't remember. Actually, I don't think you can actually exit the water as a, as the fish. You can, uh, right? You can jump out of it a little bit, but that's about it. Mm. Uh, and you can also turn into a frog. Yes, which was really quite surprisingly useless. <laughs> <laughs> a very static, unanimated frog. Yeah, who doesn't really have weapons either? But he can jump real high. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. But actually, as as Jill, you can jump really high sometimes too, right? Because that's one of the power-ups. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a strange and mostly rare Mm -hmm. power-up. I I know there are a couple of levels that make use of multiple jumping power-ups, and it just 
it gets a little uh, wild at that point. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I'm going to jump and I'm not going to see where I'm falling and I'm going to fall directly into spikes. Just watch. It's really more of, of a launch than what you're, yeah. It's like going up. <laughs> um, but that being said, I think jumping extra high is the only power up apart from the bird and the, and the, and the well, the animal stuff. I don't think there's other like bonus or items or tricks or things. Not that I can think of. No, there's a lot of apples, but they don't really, well, they replenish your health. Although sometimes they also give you like a news, like a, a text box. What's up with that? There's a lot of text boxes in this game. Yeah, it's some of the features of this game are kind of holdovers from ZZT. Like you have a uh, text that appears directly in the field. You have text that appears at the bottom of when you uh, collect apples or when you get hit. And sometimes you get a scroll uh, when you collect an apple that actually has like some sort of text, which sometimes is, is instructional, sometimes is just bashing Apogee for some reason <laughs> or its software. Lots, lots of Apogee bashes. Yeah. Right? Uh, like they make fun of, of Keen, mm. the Duke, mm. uh, all all kinds of things. Yeah, not jealous at all. But I, I, weren't there also some some jokes about Nintendo? I think didn't I read some Mario joke? Yeah, or am I imagining that now? There is one about Mario, and there is one where the entire game industry collapsed except for Epic Mega Games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seeing as they wrote the Unreal Engine, which everything in the world now runs. Mm. I think that came true. <laughs> well, they are taking on Apple now, so that's they are, it's, yeah. So maybe they'll win, and they'll be like the one mega corporation surviving everything. Oh dear! So maybe it will like become reality. <laughs> you think they will change their name back? Well, they might, as long as, as, long as they don't change it to Tencent. <laughs> There's um, when we're talking about the text, so, so sometimes it's mocking things, sometimes it's just teaching you something, sometimes it's just stating a fact. Like, Jill enters the temple. <laughs> that's okay. I I see that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that. That mostly acts as like like a level delimiter, mm, right? Right. So you go there and says, "Yeah, Jill enters the jungle." Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Keen four, five, and six did exactly the same thing. So I mean, it's in mm. some other games do very similar things. So it's not something that's specific to Jill. It's just. Mm. Like we're entering this level that has a name. Right. Well, the that usually has a name, except in Jill Three, you have a level that's just called like a level eleven, literally. <laughs> well, I saw in the in the first game, I saw uh, yet another puzzle. So okay, this is really inspired writing. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they tried. It's, I think it's it's some kind of edgy humor, right? Mm, maybe, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really work nowadays, but. I mean, the guys, they were all very young, I think. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. They were. Mm. Yeah. It's a special, special kind of humor. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Felix, you were talking a little bit about the other uh, Jills and how they're slightly different. Also in structure, right? Yeah. Because the original game has this central hub going on. I guess, is, is the hub, is that the jungle? Or is that not really... I assume so. Right. I mean, you you just you just kind of go around, and eventually you'll hit a tile that brings you into a level. It's like, yeah, 
so sometimes the game gives you kind of an illusion of choice, but really it's just like you have to complete these two levels to get a gem to get to the next level after that. Yeah. There are secret levels along the way as well, but like in Jill 1, you just kind of happen upon it. And then in Jill 2, it's not as obvious. And Jill 3, I don't think I ever got into the secret. But uh, the the progression is different between the the different games as well, because Jill 2 is just a straight shot. You start at level one and then you bleed directly into level two and level three and so on. There's no actual split path or anything. It just goes directly from level to level. And then level three, uh, sorry, Jill 3 has um, a world map. Yeah, which is kind of similar to what Commander Keen was doing, and that's probably where they got the ideas as well. So, right. Well, also, also Mario games had that, right? The overworld map. Yeah. So, well, yeah. They, they Mario games didn't have an overworld with free movement. Hmm, that's true. Like they they had uh, set paths. Yeah. Whereas you know Commander Keen, you can just go anywhere. Right. Well, yeah, you can, but then then again, it's there's there's only these holes where the levels are so yeah there might as well be paths (laughs) yeah but it's interesting they kept innovating like that though i mean i would have thought they're all the same but they're they're really not i mean the they're slightly different themes but that doesn't mean they're not the same well okay (laughs) (laughs) but jill is also wearing different clothes in each episode right oh man so um well just to clarify her bathing suit color changes from green to red to blue between the episodes Mm -hmm. Big change. Put a lot of work into that. (laughs) They they should have started with red, then gone to green, then gone to blue. RGB. There you go. Oh, Oh. nice. David, are there also changes between the games in terms of content? I mean, they. I I played one till the end, and then played two like halfway or something, and they feel sort of the same, but they're also distinct. Yeah, yeah. Some shareware games I know had the trouble that uh, you'd seen everything within the first episode. And the second and third episodes were just the same thing, but with the tiles rearranged a bit. New graphics. Uh, but Jill, I don't, I don't know if it has any striking new mechanics, but it's definitely got new content, new graphics uh, in each one. Mm. And, and each episode, because partially because they're so differently structured, exactly. uh, it, it, they, they do feel distinct from each other. Yeah. New puzzles also. Uh, there was a massive... Well, I don't know how to describe it. Like there was a massive area in Jill 2 where you had to sort of dig and and collect gems, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was horrible. That's really a, a oh, boy. unique area, I feel. That's, <laughs> yeah. That, there's nothing like that in the first game. Unique is an awfully nice way to put that. Interesting. Interesting <laughs> that, and unique. That screen was obnoxious. <laughs> it's terrible. There aren't so many puzzles to begin with, but some of them are really just, I don't know. Um, Somewhere in in episode one, there's this puzzle where you have to pull levers in the right order to uh, make some knights that use... Uh, like like turn them so that you can pass through them. Yeah, at that level, I hated it because oh. I don't know. Yeah, the the puzzle was not very interesting. And then once you found out what you had to do, you had to struggle with the physics because mm. there's like you, you cannot jump if there's a like a, a block right above your head, and you cannot step over a hole in the ground that is like like twenty centimeters wide just because there's something above your head and you cannot jump. Mm. So I I really didn't like this way they um used some some um downsides of the engine to make puzzles like harder or work at all 
Right. Like in, in that specific uh, level I just talked about, you could have just uh, walked over this tiny, teeny tiny hole in the ground and you would have been at the end, at the exit, I think. Yeah, but you couldn't go there because, yeah. Yeah, but it, it just felt very, very um, like... Um, constructed like, yeah exactly. yeah artificial well, ab- arbitrary artificial yeah so you're more of a fan of the final puzzle then maybe where there's a door and then next to the door is a key <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> i felt that was like a really what i how is that how is how, why why is that a thing like this you can just see it there's like okay, okay there's a door oh and there's a key well okay how is this a game <laughs> Maybe maybe the game mechanics didn't allow, or the engine maybe didn't allow for doors, unless you had a key. I don't know. So maybe they had to put it there so you could leave the level. I don't know. I, don't know. I was actually, this is near the end of the first episode. And I was actually expecting some kind of final thing to overcome. I, I don't know if I was expecting like a, an end boss or, or something, you know? And then instead mm-hmm. it was just, oh, Here's a key and a door. Go through it. Bye. That's the game. Mm. Like, oh, okay. Bit underwhelming. But yeah, I don't know. Does the does Jill 2 and 3, do they also end like without an end challenge? Or is there something waiting for you? Well, the, there's kind of something at the end of the third one where you actually have to rescue the prince. Right. Uh, if you actually, if you try to exit the level without rescuing the prince, the game will actively chide you over it. Huh. <laughs> okay. What What is keeping the prince captive? Is there like a, a monster or? No, there's just a lever that you have to pull. <laughs> he just got stuck. <laughs> yeah, this game has no bosses whatsoever. No. Okay. So yeah, he trapped himself. Well, I assume I assume that the lizard people trapped him there. Hmm. I don't know where the lizard people come from or what they want. No, well, princes. <laughs> or like, the, there's no explanation for anything, and yeah, I've already mentioned yeah. this, but you know, this um, anyway. I, I I just I want to go on to the like how the game came to be and and talk about Tim Sweeney and Epic and all that stuff. Uh, I hope you can help us out, David, because I'm really relying on you. <laughs> the that. Epic historian. Yeah, but I just want to say one thing. And that's something I really, really appreciated about this game right from the start. And that's the fact you can save wherever you want. How cool is that? That's not a typical platformer feature, is it? It's not. Uh, I'm actually surprised you mentioned that because I, <laughs> I didn't know that. What? Uh, I, I, I suppose I, ne- I, suppose I never uh, tried to reload in the middle of a level. You can just save and load wherever. I'll try it now. And there's multiple, <laughs> there's multiple slots even. I'm kind of I'm kind of assuming that this is also a holdover from ZZT because hmm. that because ZZT also allows you to save wherever you want. Yeah, it just took a snapshot of the entire world and saved it as a you know, a new world file under a different name. Yeah, hmm. pretty much. Yeah, but I, I thought it was kind of cool because when you when you meet a new challenge in an, in in any other platformer, you just well you just have to figure it out and probably die in the process and then reload from a while back. But in this game, you can just save and then try it. And then if it doesn't work out, you just load and you're right there again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I've just tried it and that is absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this. So I've oh. I've been uh, I've been putting in a lot more frustration than I really needed to in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Would have helped for the videos, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's okay. pretty much what happened to me in our very first episode in Doom, where I didn't realize I could save the game. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So yeah, I just I I just think it's uh maybe it's like maybe they didn't give it much thought, but ah, I think it's cool and 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 unique. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the the other thing is there's no uh life limit, yeah. which is quite progressive. Ah, yeah. This is true. Yeah, I mean Command Commander Keen, the uh later games. You could save wherever you wanted in those, the Goodbye Big Galaxy uh, hmm. Billogy. It's not a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, but they still had a life limit, which was entirely neutered because you could save wherever you wanted. Right. Yeah, Mario has it too, right? It's like mm-hmm. a lot of these mm-hmm. platformers do. It's, it's you're, like you say, it's a more modern thing to, to not have this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, female protagonist, endless lives. This, this game is super progressive in every way. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think we should talk a little bit about how the game came to be and, and talk maybe about the history of Epic more in general, because it's quite interesting, actually. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can go off on whenever you like. Oh, go ahead, please. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so Tim Sweeney had set up this company called Potomac Computer Systems because he thought he would be doing boring business software and consulting work. And uh, he was writing a text editor and... Then he got a bit distracted and started writing things into this text editor. So there's a block you can't move past and the cursor has to go around it. And then some things you could push and enemies. And, and that became ZZT. It was, a, it was a failed attempt to write a text editor. <laughs> and, and then they changed the company name to Epic Mega Games to make it seem much more grand and uh, big than its reality of having exactly one person running it. Mm-hmm. How old was Tim at this point? Do you know? Oh, he, Young, right? 18 or 19, yeah. He he achieved more when he was a minor than I will in my entire life. Ah, <laughs> um, living with his parents, probably. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, the registering address for ZT is his parents' house, and hmm. his dad kept on fulfilling them until <laughs> in the year two thousand and thirteen, he eventually ran out of discs. Wow! Um, but he was twenty one, by the way, when he published CCD. Twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I assume by twenty thirteen, right? His dad was still filling. Mm-hmm. I imagine Tim Sweeney by this point could hire someone to do it for him, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was still the old address. So ah. people were reading in ZZT, re- register this address, and they were still sending their envelopes. I don't know who was still registering it in 2013, people who've never heard of the internet, but... Well, they <laughs> exist, apparently. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. And by that time, uh, ZZT had definitely gotten to the uh, revocable freeware license that it has today. So actually, it it wasn't needed for people to register it. It was just free online anyway. Yeah, since 1999, I think. Ah. I, I see Revocable, revocable freeware license because there was a clause in that license to say that at any point Epic w- could start charging for the game again. Oh, hmm. huh. but of course, at at this point, they're not going to, especially considering that these days ZZT is now open source. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Somebody finally uh, re-implemented it. I think. But it took a very long time because the original source was lost and they had to rebuild it from scratch. It was just this year, I think, that uh, someone's uh, reconstructed it. Yeah, Adrian Sikierka. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, a- Adrian Sikierka came up with that a few months ago. Fantastic. Uh, there were several other projects that tried to rebuild the source of ZZT, but he's the only one who actually did it. Wow. So, David, uh, if we go back to the history, like what you were talking about, that is... 
late 80s, early 90s? So ZZT was 1991. Right. It looks a lot older than it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's text. It's all text mode. Yes. And it's essentially a massive game editor, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's, it's the Unreal Engine Zero. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> and, and there was this huge community that lasted until uh, beyond the year 2000. Wow. Uh, just writing these uh, new worlds for ZZT. And there's still a community now. There, there is, yeah. I mean, it's it's diminished. It's not the big forum it used to be, but uh, you know, there's a there's a Discord. There's uh, the Museum of ZZT by Dr. Doss, who has done incredible work reviving all this history and preserving it. Mm. Wow, it's it's really impressive. So yeah, that's what they that's what Tim had been doing on his on his own, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, okay. when he released ZZT, he kind of used it as a, this big recruiting drive. Epic, uh, as they were coming together, they held competitions for sending in ZZT worlds. Uh, Alan Pilgrim was one of them, and uh, Alan Pilgrim then uh, joined Epic Games. Uh, Tim Sweeney said, "Hey, do you want to build this uh, space shooter for me?" Mm-hmm. And Alan Pilgrim was the second employee of Epic Games and wrote Killer Blaster <laughs> at the same time as Tim was writing Jill of the Jungle. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Mm-hmm. So, so they were after Set City immediately developing multiple games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two people, two games. That's pretty good. Ah, right. Okay. And uh, at this point, uh, Apogee was actually showing interest in them as well, and Scott Miller had actually invited uh, Tim Sweeney to publish through Apogee, but uh, mm. Tim just decided, no, I'll do it on my own. I'll be epic mega games yeah. <laughs> and uh, do it independently. So Jill, I think, is the game they released after Set City, or, or did something came in between? Uh, it was either Jill or Killer Blaster, and I can't remember which one was first. Right. Okay. And Killer Blaster is this, is it a top-down shooter or... It's it's really a Space Invaders clone. Mm. It's um it, it's very simple. It's not a very good game, but it is impressive for being a game programmed in C by someone who had never written in C before. Okay, that's cool. That's fair enough. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. So Jill is like their first n- not a text editor game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the idea that they started out with? Because it's well, it feels sort of random <laughs> to me, honestly. Yeah, I I, I say I would say it. Uh, shows some signs of being thrown together as it went along. Uh, I remember Tim Sweeney had, you know, he'd done ZZT, he did Super ZZT, he had a lot of grand plans for Super ZZT, like making an online game that was played through bulletin boards, but then he dialed it back a bit. So I think that uh, he just saw this opportunity that Apogee was leaving a void in, which is going to VGA and using that to make games. Mm, Exactly, because all the Apogee games were EGA, like Commander yes, Keen and yeah. yeah, still EGA for a couple of years after this one, yeah. Right. So so the idea was to make basically a platformer like Mario and or Commander Keen, but in VGA. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh one of the other interesting things about Jill is that it comes with a built-in editor that nobody knew about for many, many years. Uh, it was discovered 20 years after the game was released. Wow. Uh a coder called uh, Adam Nielsen, uh, who goes by the online name uh, Malvinius, I think. Uh, he was he was porting the code for Zargon, which is a game based on the same engine. Okay. And he noticed that in the source code, there was this key combination, Control-E, that didn't do anything in Zargon. Mm-hmm. So he tried it on Jill, and to his astonishment, it dumped him into the Jill editor. It's completely incomprehensible. <laughs> it wasn't intended for a non-technical audience, but it does exist, and uh, people on shikadi.net, which is this big uh, DOS uh, modding wiki, uh, people on there have released new episodes for Jill. 
Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And is it is it as free as ZZT was? Because in ZZT, you can basically develop your own games, but... Yeah, I mean, there's no scripting uh, like mm. there is in ZZT and Jill. You're limited to just the objects that are in the game. Right. Uh, so it's, it's much less uh, extensive, but mm. it's, it's still there. It's something. You can make levels, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And you can import your own graphics as well, or is that not a... I don't, I don't think natively, no. Uh, you'd mm. have to hack around in some hex editing for that. Okay, okay. But still. But still cool. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, I, this is the first I've heard of it. And you mentioned Zargon. Um, there's other games made with the Jill engine, aren't there? Yes, yeah. I'm seeing here a really weird one called... I don't even know how to say it. One one Simus? <laughs> Onesimus? I don't know. O- Onesimus? Wenzimus. A Quest for Freedom is the subtitle. I'll, I'll stick to that. <laughs> I think it's 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 Greek or Latin or something. So Onesimus probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that. Yeah, those games that are listed here, uh, like like Onesimus, Saron, and Vinyl Goddess from Mars, they all look very. You can see the Jill roots in those games. I mean, yeah. progressively they they deviated more and more, but even in Vinyl Goddess from Mars, the main character looks pretty much like Jill. Yeah, it looks very much like Jill. Uh, I think as well, uh, Last Night in Camelot, uh, I'm not 100% sure on that one, but it looks uh, it looks and feels a lot like a Jill game, so I think it might be the same engine. Okay. Did, did any of you play any of these games? I've played Vinyl Goddess from Mars a million years ago, and I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> It well, it is very similar to Jill of the Jungle. I didn't realize their close relationship when I first played it, but it was—I think it was intended to be a sequel at one point, and then Epic said, "No, actually, we don't want to do that." So it was released as this independent thing. Right. It was going to be Jill of the Jungle too, actually. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And the first one, the the one I can't pronounce, <laughs> the the <laughs> one Simus. I don't know. That's actually a a Christian game, I think. So that's that's got its own audience. That's like a, a whole separate world. We we don't really talk a lot about this sort of stuff. I mean, it's it's its own little category, I feel. It's like Christian rock, you know? It's like <laughs> a whole its own world with its own stars. And maybe in that world this game is huge. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if we should do a Christian game month podium. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, well, it would be a month I'd likely skip. Mm. Yeah, I feel like Either a lot of people would skip that one, or that would be kind of opening a can of worms, potentially. Yeah. Well, maybe we would attract a new audience. <laughs> maybe you can start your spin-off of DGC. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Christian Games Club. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah but it, especially this game looks looks really a lot like Jill. I mean, even the tiles mm. look the same. There seem to be apples that you can eat, just like in Jill. Yeah. Just the protagonist has been replaced with, I guess, Ones- uh, oh, Onesimus. Ones- yeah, Onesimus. Yeah. It's it's basically Jill more appropriately clothed. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. And exactly. the man, because a man doesn't need inappropriate clothing. Mm, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's the spin-off games that Jill sort of spawned. It didn't really go anywhere, did it, David? I mean, Jill is sort of its own thing. It ends... It, it doesn't spark like a whole tree of games. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's uh, got used in a couple of other games, but it, it's not a big thing like Epic are known for now. So, yeah, it's sort of the end of the line right there. 
Yeah, I would, I would say that it was really unusual for any game engine to be a thing that was sold around. I mean, mm. it started kind of with the Commander Keen engine, which spawned Biomenace, but that was the only uh, that was the only one that came out of it. Uh, Wolfenstein 3D is probably the first one where you saw other games buying the engine and then building on top of it. Mm. Yeah, but it's also from the same year. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I keep on forgetting that. Uh, <laughs> I keep on forgetting that either Wolfenstein 3D same year as this because it just loops worlds apart. Yeah, it was it was a bit um, a bit further down the road, I guess. Yeah. Well, this is VGA, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one one big difference also, or one like one step for Epic Mega Games, is the fact that Tim Sweeney didn't make the whole game on his own, did he, David? Yeah, I think it was the first one with contributions from someone else. Hmm. Uh, Alan Pilgrim wrote uh, Killer Blaster independently, and I think he had a hand in Jill as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, two graphics and sound people, there's Dan Froelich uh, for music, and uh, John, I think it's Palette Playwright, although it might be Palais Playwright, I have no idea. Yeah, Dan Froelich did the music, and then there's Joe Hitchens as well, who was an artist. On Joe Hitchens, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a little list I've got here. Yeah. And boy, some of it is music. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's pretty out there, isn't it? Uh, like the one that really stands out in my mind right now is the um, the bonus level theme from Jill One. Mm. That one's noisy. <laughs> yeah, the the ad lib chip. It's only I think. All the music is only for the ad lib chip. So, yeah, so if you had a different sound card, you, well, you just tough luck for you. But mm-hmm. it's it's a hard to program chip for some people. I mean, it's not as straightforward as some of the others. So, yeah, you could make some noisy things with it. <laughs> I mean, these days you have things like Rad Tracker, right? So mm. it makes it easy for anyone to jump into. But yeah, back in the day, I've actually watched a video just recently about programming for the AdLib chip. Yeah, it's and kind of insane. There's, there's a few steps to it. Mm-hmm. All things considered, I think the game, the music is actually pretty cool. It's like a, it's got a, a beat to it, I feel. It's like, yeah, Jill and the Disco. Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to the history of epic of course after jill isn't there david i mean this is now one of the the biggest game com it's kind of insane that it started here mm-hmm. just these guys in their in their parents garage or whatever <laughs> yeah, they, they went from acting big to fortnite yeah <laughs> yeah exactly they even dropped the like the mega part because it wasn't needed to <laughs> make it seem bigger anymore so yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean epic is still a very big name right so you say that's true that's true yeah i don't know like normally we tell a little bit about what happened after and then where things ended up but in the case of epic games it's it's almost impossible yeah i guess if we mention games like unreal and fortnite then people will know what we're talking about yeah (laughs) yeah unreal was definitely the turning point they they uh did what apogee did for a while which was to buy up a lot of other people's games and distribute them Mm. uh and then Unreal was the the time when they had just everyone who had worked on games with them, Tim Sweeney, Cliff Lazinski, uh, James Smaltz. Mm. They formed a super group and made this massive, ambitious project. And uh, the release of Unreal was where it, they really became probably the backbone of the gaming industry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Very sad it's not a DOS game. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is. Um, you mentioned Cliff, uh, Cliff Blazinski. He was he became famous because of Jazz Jack Rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is another epic game, and it was only released one year later. 
And it's also a scrolling platformer. So I feel this is a really big step they made in only one year. Uh, well, Wikipedia says two years, 1994. Yes. Oh, I'm mistaken. Okay. <laughs> well, for, for two years, it's rubbish. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did a lot in those two years. I mean, the, the scrolling is a lot smoother in Jazz Jackrabbit. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 94, you could probably rely on people having fast 386 or 46 CPUs. So you could do a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And and super VGA yeah. graphics cards and stuff like that. Yeah. I was I was just saying to someone earlier that the pace of technology advancement in the nineties was just incredible. Yeah. And I'm really glad that now, these days, you can buy a computer and ten years later it's still basically okay. Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, th- yeah. It was not good for your wallet. <laughs> because you would buy a computer I remember this. People would buy a computer and it would last maybe two years like maybe yeah, three yeah by three it, it, three years in this computer was really old yeah but was it was it really like that already in the early 90s i mean people used their computers they they kept them around i mean um jill has cga support right that's a graphics card that probably has been sold for a couple of years in 92 that is true that is true. So they still try to make it accessible yeah. to a wider range of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I'll mention something about the graphics as well, is that I did try Jill with the CGA and the EGA graphics set. The CGA looks better between those two. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's, that's often the case, I think. EGA looks like complete crap. <clears throat> well, that's not the target audience, I suppose, because they were all about the VGA. Oh yeah, like if if you pick CGA or EGA, like the uh, the setup program would say you're missing out on some hot 256 color VGA <laughs> scenery. Oh, that's nice. Although, uh, I mean, it's technically VGA. I think we mentioned this at the start. It it doesn't really look it, does it? <laughs> I mean, if you would see this game from a distance, would you think, oh, look at those colors? This is <laughs> well. Since since I know the fixed EGA palette, yes, but yeah, it, it didn't really make the best use of it. No, it it, it does fading. Mm. Does that count? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and some of the animations are nice, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit amateurish. And again, I think Jill's sprite has more colors than the entire level. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing about the graphics, which I think is just kind of funny, is that the whole game is in a frame, right? It's like the game is not full screen. There's a, a bar on the left, mm, mm. but also a little, little bar on the top and the bottom. And that that's not uncommon for the time. It's just no. It is just kind of a thing to uh, make it so that you don't have to redraw the entire screen yeah. for every update. Yeah. It it's just it just makes it a little faster because yeah. otherwise the game might have been like ten frames a second instead of twenty or something. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the difference with Commander Keen, for example. They had this this massively uh, high-performing engine that um, John John Carmack wrote mm. that made use of, of several hardware features of the EGA card that are also present in VGA cards. But apparently, uh, I guess they couldn't um, figure out how that works because with the frame around it, that feature, you cannot use it. So uh. Yeah, I, I seem to recall that Pretty much all of the uh, Commander Keen games are very hacky as far as how it draws to the screen. Yeah, you you had to get around all kinds of uh, all kinds of things then, and go directly into the bare metal of the hardware. 
Yeah, that's also why there were so few of these scrolling platformers, right? Because it was really not so straightforward to make one of these run on the yeah. on a PC at the time. But I guess at ni- in '92 we had enough pro- um, processing power to just do it. Um, yeah, the hard way. <laughs> even mm. if, you, if it, even if that meant you had to um, scale down the screen size a bit. Exactly. What I what I just think is kind of funny is that the title of the game is at the top all times, like. If you're playing and and like you're half an half an hour in and you think what's this game again? Oh, it's at the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really nice feature. If you're would be great for streamers. Yeah, if, if anyone would stream that game. It actually is a great Twitch layout. It's like oh, this is perfect for streaming. But yeah, <laughs> I think there are, I think there are a few games back in the DOS days that did this, and not just DOS either. So some. Uh, arcade games did that i think some uh like other console games like atari and things so it it was it wasn't entirely common but it wasn't rare yeah right so the graphics they're technically cool they're (laughs) visually slightly (laughs) underwhelming maybe (laughs) um the music is weird but there's not just music is there there's also yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a this was a big thing that uh, this game can use digitized sounds, and we're not just limited to the PC speaker anymore. Yeah, and uh, I think the the source of the sounds was just various instruments that used to be in mod files, but mm. but they're there. It it could it could use sounds all right, and it wasn't afraid to use sounds. <laughs> in fact, in fact, some of the sounds for some reason changed between the games. Oh, so. Like, you pick up a key in the first game and go, yeah. And then in the third game, it was a completely different sound. I don't remember what it was. But huh. like a lot of the sounds were just different between each game. And I'm right. not really sure why that is other than, but hmm. we have all these sound effects. Let's make some noise. Yeah, it really sounds like they're just happy that it works. Like, oh, yeah, we can play a sample. What yeah. sample? What do you mean what sample? Just any sample. Just a sample. Put in a sample. So, yeah, it's kind of fun, though. I mean, it it makes the whole game kind of surreal. Like you're in some sort of weird dream. (laughs) I don't know, because it's called Jill of the Jungle, but it doesn't really look like a jungle. So it's already kind of weird. In the second game, you're definitely in a weird dream. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, yeah, these weird music. And then, yeah, it's like, what's (laughs) happening? What's what is this? Where am I? Who am I? But maybe that's why they put the title on the top, just to... Make you focus and okay, okay, this is Jill of the Jungle. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Jill of the Jungle. That's why everything is weird. Exactly. There's a little, um, what do you call this? Like a, a subject line releases and sequels in our document, but there are no sequels, are there? No. We briefly well, touched on this. Vinyl Goddess, right? <laughs> yeah, but not really. So I think there might have been a release at some point of all three games, like a commercial release. Mm hmm. But other than that, not really anything. No. The, there, there are the other games that we mentioned before that aren't Jill games that use the same engine. That's the closest you're going to get to a sequel for this. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we also talk a little bit about ports to other platforms, stuff like that. But I don't think there are any of that even. There's no Jill of the Jungle for Amiga or for, I don't know, Nintendo or the iPhone or this. It's... You can play it in DOSBox. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's normal for small shareware studios, right? Mm. Like, I mean, um, Wolfenstein and, and stuff was ported, but only after it became massively popular. Popular, So 
And, and you get fan ports all the time too. Just people who recreate the uh, like the engine and just use the actual resources from the game itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a lot of games that do that, but I I think as far as that goes, Jill's just been left on the wayside. It's like there's absolutely nothing for Jill other other than apparently the extra worlds that uh, that you mentioned previously, right? Because there is an editor. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of stuff to talk about. I guess the only thing to mention is the complete trilogy, which is the what you can if you go to gog.com now, the uh the, what was it, the store? I think they offer it for free, don't they? They do. So, yeah, that's just the whole thing bundled together, sold for free or given away for free, I guess. That's yeah, that's what's left of Jill. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to some of the reviews? I think I think our dear member Richard scanned in some magazines for us, which he does. There's also a forum thread, by the way, called Jill versus Duke. That's a very strange comparison. Yeah, exactly. But it's apparently some rivalry they had going on as a kid. Mm. Yeah, one was like an epic fan and the other was an Apogee <laughs> fan and playing right into the, well, the whole thing they were setting up themselves. So, yeah. I'm looking at Moby Games right now. There's only two reviews, and I wouldn't really call them contemporary. Yeah, I'm I'm browsing the forum now, but normally he scans in magazine reviews. But I guess there aren't any of Chill of the Jungle, so... No, I did the same. I, I checked, and uh, I think even, even Richard couldn't find anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's nothing on the forum. Yeah, that's too bad. Maybe that's also why this game doesn't really seem to be a thing back in the day. Because it was just not mentioned in the magazines and it wasn't really on my radar back then at all. So maybe this is why. Um, yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't really, I mean, it was a small shower studio that hadn't released anything prior except CCT. So nothing that, that was probably really, really big at the time. So I guess magazines weren't too interested. Yeah, that's that's really it. There's not a whole lot to it, but it's still, it's kind of enjoyable and... It's just a small little experience. So it's a hidden little treat that you get to enjoy if you know about it. Mm-hmm. And it's free on GOG, so I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> but there's so many free games. Sure. Why would you pick this one? Well, why not? Well, why would you, Florian? <laughs> well, I don't know why. You play this game, each of these games is going to take an hour to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like you're making a huge investment in time. You just... Mm. Get through one of the games and uh, yeah. and there it goes. Like yeah, that's that's really it. There's not a whole lot to it, but it's still it's kind of enjoyable and well, it's just a small little experience. Did you, uh, Florian? Did you look on eBay if it's available? Yeah, but as with most shareware games from the time, mm. there's hardly anything. And if you can get something, then it's maybe just a registered copy of that, that some shop made. Right. Uh, like. It's not 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 really a thing, I guess. No. I wonder how this stuff even worked for Europeans, because obviously Epic was located in the US. So I guess they expected people to mail them money in an envelope. <laughs> but I don't know how that would work from Europe. The question is if the game actually did it made it over the ocean? Did it I mean did did people here actually know about it? There were more local uh, distribution centers as well. If you go into the ordering information for any of these Apogee or Epic games, there's this big list of international orders. Right. Okay. That helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And yeah, I think it was mostly money order. I don't know if people even do that anymore <laughs> or check. I, I've, I've really no idea. I think people would just put $30 into an envelope and, and mail it to them. I think that's how it works. <laughs> back when you could mail money. Yeah, back when you could mail it all. Mm-hmm. Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next subject. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there, there's no, there, there are not many subjects left, right? No, there really isn't. I mean, it's a small game, right? I mean, what are you going to say? Yeah. It's a small platformer. It's pretty straightforward. It's kind of fun. Mm. Do you have any like closing thoughts, Florian? Like, what, what did you expect and what was it actually like? Well, And yeah. would you recommend it? <laughs> I, I don't know what I expected, but... Not I this! Think I, <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, I, I think I expected a bit more. Like, um, to be honest, we, we played Commander Keen a couple of years ago. Um, that one, I mean, it only is EGA, but I think if you want to invest your time in a classic platformer, then... Either go for Commander Keen or even actually Duke Nukem, which is also EGA but looks better than Jill, mm. I think. Mm. So, I, I, to be honest, I didn't enjoy the game very much. The, mm. the, the mechanics didn't really work for me. The level design was really my kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit slow, isn't it? It's not. It's not really a run and jump sort of thing. It's more, yeah, take a step. Assess the situation. Yeah, yeah, but then also, you, if, if you if you make a mistake, you can suddenly end up being in an area where you cannot easily get out again. And there's like those those other flying things mm-hmm. where they phoenixes or whatever kind of monster, and they they hit you over and over again, and then you have to reload. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, all in all, it just wasn't a very smooth experience. No. Yeah, that that is kind of one thing to point out: the fact that there is no invincibility time. Mm. You get hit, you just continuously get hit until you're dead. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Although I think I think you, uh, when you do come into contact with an enemy, you kind of trade blows with them, so they also lose health. Yeah, I, I think a lot of this is is mitigated by the fact you can just load and save at will. Yeah, but also like like um, the weapons didn't really work for me. I mean, the the knife, how does it even work? I mean, oh. you can only throw it in in, in a straight line, <laughs> and then you have to. It's, kind of boomerangs back to you so yeah. you have to walk around and try to make it hit something else and you hope that so, it comes well, back <laughs> well you can you can jump right i mean you can jump and then throw and then it yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it goes back like diagonally and yeah you can sort of use that yeah well it's it's not my kind of thing really no it's like a yo-yo really it's like a yeah yeah hmm. i mean the entire game um if you ask me if i recommend it i'd probably say no but hmm. I, I think it's one of those games that you really need nostalgia for to actually enjoy it. Yeah, or just the interest in the history. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Just, yeah, sure. Yeah. But that doesn't require you to play through all three hours of the three episodes. Right. Mm. So what do you think, Felix? Uh, I mean, as far, as far as expectations, I knew exactly what to expect. I've played these before and I've seen so- several videos. Right. Did it hold up? Uh, yeah, not really. <laughs> it de- it definitely has its own personality to it. Yeah. But oh yeah, it has personality. It has. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, sure. it's loaded with personality. Yeah. But as far as as far as the gameplay itself, like there are so many better options, even for the time. Mm. It's it's hard it's hard to to really say that it held up at all. Um, yeah. I'd recommend at least trying it. Mm. Because uh, some people really get into this sort of game, but 
Yeah. As is the case with Florian, not everyone will be attracted to it. No. And um, was it like you remembered it? Because you you sort of knew what you were getting into, but was it actually that? Or was it still a little different than what you remembered? No, it's pretty much what I remembered. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, I guess. David, you... Well, somewhat recently played it too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, for the video series you made. So, I mean, I guess you were really familiar with this game <laughs> by now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I played it growing up and it was, you know, th- it's easy to forget just how fascinating PC platformers were at the time because it was this mm. totally new thing that uh, people couldn't really do before then. Yeah. Uh, looking back, it, it's a simple game. It's it's not one of the standout ones, but... Uh, it's important as this stepping stone to what Epic would eventually become. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, and it it also instills that do-it-yourself nature, which I think is really cool. It's just, you know, there's no design by committee. There isn't even a committee. No. There's just one guy, <laughs> and he just does what he wants. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's where the personality comes from. You can really see that Tim Sweeney made it. Yeah. So I think that's still sort of cool. I I always, Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why I like these old games is because they're made by such small teams. It's like indie games now. It's just, you know, two or three people doing whatever they want. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, even indie games nowadays still try to follow some formulas that they know that work while still having their own personality to it. Like back then, you really had more of an open field. It's like what works for computer games, nobody really quite knows yet. So you just yeah. try things and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. Yeah, exactly. But that's also kind of exciting, right? That whole Wild West feeling to it, like yeah. discovering the new world and seeing what's <laughs> out there. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool, but it's definitely not. A great platformer and there are some actually great platformers for DOS even from this era oh, yeah. I mean maybe not even scrolling ones but you know stuff like Prince of Persia that those games are really in another league from this one so mm-hmm. yeah it, it this game does feel a little bit cheap or or amateurish or yeah I don't want to say that it's rubbish because I don't think it is but oh you, you really have to yeah. see it as what it is how it came to be yeah. what the times were like. But yeah. yeah. Very much an experiment as far as Epic Mega Games. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of a game jam game, isn't it? It's like <laughs> Yeah, it feels a lot like that. It has many of the flaws that many game jam <laughs> platformers have. Yeah, exactly. All right. So yeah, I uh, did we forget anything? Is there anything that we should really mention about this game? What do you think? Yeah, I think we did well. We pretty, pretty well covered it, yeah. Okay, well, then we covered <laughs> everything. So, yeah, that's that's Jill of the Jungle then. So, Florian, I guess we should talk about what more is going on with the club, right? Yes. So, right now, we are playing Zed, the um, classic real-time strategy game by Bitmap Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by the time this episode is out, the month will be over. So, uh, well, you can still send us um, voice messages about the game or leave comments so that we can discuss things. Uh, the month after, now in September, the mom- month this episode gets released, we are going to play Wing Commander, wow. another big series and a big classic. Yeah. And I think it's the anniversary, right? Oh, uh, I think it is. I'm, I'm not well informed about that yeah. topic. Maybe you can explain. 
Well, that's it. It's just, I think it's the 25th anniversary oh, or the nice. 30th, something, some year anniversary. So I, I think Richard sh- suggested, because he's a massive Wing Commander fan, and he said, uh-huh. well, the anniversary is coming up in September, so maybe we should check it out. So, yeah, yeah, nice. That's what we'll do. Yeah, that's cool. And in the month after, in October, which is Spooky Month, mm-hmm. we are going to play Ecstatica. Which I don't know anything about it. I've never even heard of it. You should Google it and especially look at some images because, um, well, modern 3D games, they're drawn using triangles and, and polygons, but Ecstatica doesn't believe in that. Okay. <laughs> it's drawn entirely using spheres. It's, yeah, it's a lot of spheres and that's the whole game. I so think it's that a is mo- quite That is quite some atmosphere that it has. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool. I think it's a, a horror survival game. That's why we're playing it in October for Halloween. I don't think you got my point. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Did you say atmosphere? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's a it's a horror survival 3D game in spheres. It's yeah, actually cool. I played it as a kid. Um and just like Alone in the Dark, I don't think I ever got out of the first room. So maybe <laughs> maybe I'll manage this time. <laughs> yeah, that's it, I guess. Visit us on dosgameclub.com where you can find all the old episodes, can discuss with us on the forums, um, where you can also suggest games like um, whatever game you want us to cover. There's a Black Jill of the Jungle. There's a good chance we will cover it one day. Um, I think we've discussed the um, suggestion process a couple episodes ago. Mm. ago so yeah, that's the that's thing. Um, I also already mentioned that we really like to receive voice messages. That's mm-hmm. um, another cool thing you should do. Yeah, such as the one from David at the yeah, start of yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah. So other David. Other always, David. Always other little, David. Other yeah. David. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a pleasure if you, when we receive one of those because it really feels like people are actually participating and not just a few people we kind of lure into the episodes. <laughs> such as me. <laughs> we sh- we sh- the people we Shanghai to get onto the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's another place where we can discuss lots of things that's on IRC. It's the channel DOS Game Club on Afternet where we are usually hanging out and discussing lots of things, maybe even, even before we write them into the forums ourselves mm-hmm. because actually I sometimes forget to write in the forums because mm. I think I've already said everything on IRC. So that's where I hang out most of the time and Martin as well. Yeah. Some place we are less active, but still kind of regularly post updates on Twitter, where we are at DOS Game Club. And yeah, that's our news outlets. Yeah. If you're listening to the show on your uh, podcasting app, like iTunes or how, how they're all called, uh, please leave a rating. Spotify, yeah. Yeah, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, Google something. All Amazon, probably. You, yeah. you probably know better what you're <laughs> using than we do. So yeah, if it, if it has a, a place where you can leave stars or something like that, just pick the rightmost one that you can find <laughs> and click it. <laughs> Unless the rightmost one is the bad. No. Oh yeah, but no, that's no. unlikely. No, I mean, no. <laughs> if it's stars, I mean, yeah. Un- unless hmm, maybe maybe if you're reading in in like right to left script. Hmm. Yeah, 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 that's the thing. Click click the best star you can find. Click the best one, the yeah. highest one. <laughs> no, and also leave feedback because uh, sometimes we get these comments on iTunes or whatever, and I I, I also think it's really fun to read those. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really re- rewarding. I mean, exactly. We're putting in well, not not that much work. It's like <laughs> <laughs> still, it's, it's very rewarding to see that you actually get something back from the audience. Totally. Yeah, thanks. Um, 
that's Jill of the Jungle, I guess. Thanks for listening and, and thanks for being here, guys. Thank you for having and me. And discuss the game with us. Thank you. It's been great to be back. Super cool. And, and see you next time for whatever game it might be in the future. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bye. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>